0: We're going to continue today the study that we began last week and we'll be, um, we'll be involved in for, for several weeks. Um, I said last week that even though um, I usually limit my uh, teaching series to about four to six weeks because that's kind of my attention span and I think uh, that's true for a lot of us, this one's going to go a little bit longer than that and because the subject is so important that we don't want to shortchange it. Um, and and uh, so the series is called Empowered the Spirit-Filled Life, and we're looking at the importance of a believer in Jesus, a Christ follower, someone who has crossed the boundary from doubt into faith and is now uh, pr- in pursuit of Jesus as their Savior. <clears throat> For that person to be also filled with or overflowed by or having had come upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not mean for our relationship with him to be uh, philosophical or theological only. He did not mean for it to be a set of uh, do's and don'ts. He didn't mean for it to be cerebral. Only he, Yes, it's intelligent. Our faith in Jesus is intelligent. Yes, it's, it's the, based on solid and sound theology. But it's more than that. He meant for it, it to be an explosive, dynamic, amazing, miraculous experience. And for many of us, our, our faith in Jesus, our relationship with him <clears throat> has either never been or has been reduced to something far less than that. And I don't believe that that's where the Lord wants to leave us. And the Bible is clear on that. We're looking at the book of Acts because it is the record of the birth and the expansion of the church and how, and we see in its pages, how simple people, fishermen, tax collectors, moms, dads, you know, shop owners, uh, just regular plain old people having been filled with the Holy Spirit, turned the world upside down and experienced life in an amazing way. And we want to have our lives, our relationships with Jesus look more like the book of Acts than they currently do, at least in my case. And I think some of you might be wanting to be along for that ride. And I believe the Lord will meet us. I believe he already has begun to do so. And I believe that the result is going to be that, this, that our church will be marked by an increased outflow, outpouring of the miraculous power of God. And that's what we long for, all of us. So that's what we're after and uh, we've begun by talking about <clears throat> the power source and we talked last week about who the Holy Spirit is where is he and what is he up to we're going to talk today about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what it is and how you can receive it but I asked you to turn to Acts chapter 1 and I want to begin, begin reading at verse 4 these are verses we read last week but I don't mind reading them again because they are important and powerful So, verse 4, Jesus is with his disciples after his resurrection, but before his ascension into heaven. In case you didn't know that, Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. (laughs) Death could not hold him. And the Bible says that he was observed by hundreds of people. That this wasn't something that his resurrection didn't happen in isolation. It was verifiable. And so he rose from the dead and then he also ascended into heaven. In between there, he meets with his disciples and says these words. He's assembled together with them. Verse 4 tells us he commands them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's where they were. But to wait For the promise of the Father. He's talking about the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. Which, he said, you have heard from me. For John, Jesus is speaking. For John, truly baptized with water. He's talking about John the Baptist. Baptism of repentance. John, truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit immersed in dunked in overwhelmed by the holy spirit not many days from now remember he said but wait in jerusalem until this happens then verse 6 the is, um, jesus has finished speaking and we hear something the response of the disciples who heard him therefore when they had come together they asked him saying lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel it's <laughs> such an interesting remark because Jesus is just, he's told them. In fact, we spent a lot of time last week talking about how Jesus had been clear with them. He said, look, guys, I'm going away. I have to go. It's important for me to, to go so that the Holy Spirit can come upon you. <clears throat> and now he, re, he reiterates that to them. He says, wait here, wait here. I've given you a commission to take this gospel to the whole world, but wait until you receive the power to do so. The Holy Spirit will come upon you not many days from now. Wait here. And then they respond to that like they haven't even heard anything that he said. And they say, yes, and are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And what they're talking about is, Jesus, are you going to overthrow the Roman government and restore the sovereignty of Israel? And it's like... (gasps) Come on, guys. And then he says to them in uh, in verse 7, and he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He's saying what you're asking is not immaterial. It's not that it doesn't matter, but it's not the important thing. Listen up. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That doesn't have anything to do with rome or the sovereignty of israel this is what's important you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria to the end of the earth he's saying look guys i am about to cause there to be an explosion in your lives You'll receive power, dunamis is the Greek word, dynamite, dynamic, power. There's going to be a power explosion in your life, and it's going to ripple out from Jerusalem to Judea, the surrounding county, to Samaria, the county beyond that, and to the ends of the earth. That's what's important. That's what I want for you to experience. In chapter 2, days later, when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the day of Pentecost, we've all, or many of us have heard the word Pentecostal, you know, talking about sometimes it's used in a derogatory fashion about Christian believers who are swinging from chandeliers and rolling on the carpet and barking like dogs and, you know, stuff like that. All those Pentecostals, you know. Okay, the, when it says the day of Pentecost, that was a Jewish holiday, And uh, so that's what it's referring to, this occasion. It's 50 days after Passover. And pilgrims from all over the Roman world, Israeli pilgrims from all over the world, had converged on Jerusalem. So the city of Jerusalem is bulging with people. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it says they, and the they that are talking about is 120 believers, including the disciples that were with jesus uh, uh, you know twenty four seven and then other followers of his one hundred and twenty of them were gathered in an upper room. It's nine o'clock in the morning. and remember they have this command from the Lord, wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. and suddenly, verse two says there came from uh, came from a, a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. so It doesn't, they're not saying that the wind starts blowing. It's saying that there was a sound and the best way we can describe it, it was like the sound of a mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And the word tongues here in the English is a little bit unfortunate because in the next verse, it's gonna talk about tongues as languages. Two different things. He's saying, we heard this sound and it was like, a rushing wind, and then all of a sudden we looked around and there were like flames of fire on everyone, tongues of fire. It doesn't say they were burning up or their hair was on fire. It's just saying it was like that. We're trying to describe supernatural things to you using natural analogies. And it was like they were on fire. And one sat upon each of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages. We found ourselves speaking languages we'd never learned. We're simple, you know, Galileans. We found ourselves speaking languages we don't, we don't even understand as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now these weren't just babblings of, of people caught up in some sort of ecstasy. They were actual languages that were being that were understood by the throngs of pilgrims that had come from all over the world. And they were the city was so full of people for the, for the Pentecost feast that what was going on in that upper room was not um, uh, able to be kept quiet. Everybody was observing and listening and hearing this and, it, and we'll, we won't read it, but they, they're trying to figure out what's going on. How is it that I can, I can hear the, these simple Galileans talking, speaking the language of, of the nation that I have come from as a pilgrim to Jerusalem. How is that possible? And there, everybody in, in the town is uh, talking among themselves and trying to figure this out, and the best they can come up with is, well, they must be drunk. And then Peter stands up in verse 14. Peter, remember, <clears throat> this is a guy who days before, less, about 50 days before, was so frightened, such a spiritual wimp, that a little uh, servant girl, when came, she came up to him and said, hey, didn't you used to hang out with this guy that's on trial here, this Jesus guy? And Peter says, oh no, I swear I've never known him. This same guy, now that the Holy Spirit has come upon him, he rises and speaks to the multitudes in the city, standing with... Uh, with uh, 11, he raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my, my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and all of a sudden Peter is becoming, <laughs> his Bible knowledge is coming into focus and he remembers what the prophet Joel has said and he says, guys, this is what This is what God told us was going to happen in the book of Joel. And he he goes on and preaches his first sermon. At the end of that, verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they, the multitudes, the crowds, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, take, take note of this, repent, turn from your sin, turn towards God, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, or the cleansing of sins. And you shall receive, you shall receive, you shall receive, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who were afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This was not a one-time deal. This was not just for them. This is for all of us who follow in their footsteps of faith. Amazing transformation in one guy. From one day to the next, the Holy Spirit coming upon Peter in that upper room with the other disciples, and what we see follow is like two different people. Because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit God wants for each of us to have that kind of transformational experience I'll give you you know another thing that we're going to do over these weeks together is we're going to be looking at the book of 1st Corinthians and the gifts of the Holy Spirit these supernatural enablings of the Spirit of God that allow us to be partners with God in miraculous ministry and we're going to learn what they're about and how to make ourselves available to them and how they could actually, how God could actually use us in these marvelous ways. I'll give you an example. About a month ago, or it might have even been two months ago, <clears throat> in this service, some of you might, may, were, may have been here and would remember that right after worship, I was getting up and I felt like the Lord gave me a picture, and, and uh, we'll talk more about how this works, um, but I'm no super saint. Uh, I, you know, I, I like you. I think things all the time, and most of the time it's just, I don't know, a movie I watched, the leftovers of a movie I watched the night before or something indigestion or, you know, who knows. But I was getting up here, and I had this picture come to my mind, and I've, I've done this enough now that I've gotten some confidence to f- know when it's the Lord speaking to me, and I felt like it was. And so I said to everybody, I said, hey, you know, I don't mean to interrupt things, but I feel like the Lord is showing me that there's someone here who has uh, a token of some sort, it's like a, like a um, uh, uh, you know, good luck charm, although you, wouldn't, you know, we don't believe in luck, and I'm sure you don't think of it as a good luck charm, but something like that that you carry with you all the time, and the Lord is using this to signal your, who you are, your identity. I, I said that, and then I asked, is anybody here like that? And there was, three, I don't know, two three or four people raised their hand. <clears throat> And now I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what's next? What do we do next? <laughs> and, and then I heard myself say, and I believe the Lord is identifying you because he wants for you to know that <clears throat> there's something going on in your life you don't even know how to pray about. But he knows about it, he's, he cares about it, and he's about to do something about it. And I left it at that. <clears throat> I didn't, you know, didn't uh, take it any further. We went on with the service. About a week or so later, it may have been as much as two weeks, but really shortly uh, you know, in a time span between I, I, when I did this, a woman on a Sunday morning came up to me and she said, Randy, here it is. And she showed me this coin that she carries with her. It's not a, a US coin. I don't even a, you know if it was a monetary. But it was in the shape of a coin. And she says, I carry with this with me all the time, and I don't remember the whole story. It was a memento that has to do with a relative. I, has that, I have that with me all the time. And she said, when you said that, I did not raise my hand. But I, I wondered if it might be that the Lord was getting, wanting my attention. And then she went on to tell me that she has had a situation where she at work she's had a manager, a boss, <clears throat> It's just made her life a living hell. It's made it so miserable. Every single day when she goes to work, it's constant misery. And if you've ever had a boss like that, you know. And she said, I didn't even know I was I didn't even know to pray about it. I didn't know what to ask the Lord for. I didn't know what to do about it. I just suffered with it. But she said, within a week after you said that, I found that my um, uh, not that boss, but, but uh, higher up than him or her, I can't remember, came to me and said, we have promoted you out of this department. So she got a, a promotion and was removed from that, that boss's involvement in her life. Something that, you know, would have probably happened anyway because the Lord loves her and he would have taken care of her no matter what. But he used the combination of two spiritual gifts to make it have more punch and more meaning. And the Lord does that a lot, wants to do that more than will let him. One of the gifts was a word of knowledge, a little piece of what God knows. Now, I guess you could have played the odds and figured in a group this size that you say, hey, is there anybody here that's carrying a token? There's probably you know, a handful of people that would be true of. You can think that if you want, and God bless you. But I think that the Lord was doing something word of knowledge I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have thought of that I honestly I don't I don't carry any I don't have a rabbit's foot in my pocket or something like that so it's not something I think about word of knowledge and then a word of prophecy that's where God gives a little piece of what he wants to say into a situation never conflicting with his written word always in harmony with it but something that speaks directly to a situation a contemporary current situation Those two gifts were in in, in operation that day. And a woman's life um, was impacted as a result. God wants to do lots of that kind of stuff. You ready to let him? Oh, come on. Really? You ready to let him? Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. God, do more of that. So I asked uh, Aldrin Kerrigan if he'd come and help me today a little bit, because <clears throat> um, we're going to be talking about what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Aldrin, when he was 12 years old, having been raised to, uh, in a Catholic church, uh, had an occasion where he was... Uh, he was uh, He heard the gospel in a way that he responded to, the gospel being that Jesus Christ came and was sacrificed on the cross for the cleansing of our sins so that we could have restored relationship with God. He heard that as a 12-year-old young man uh, opened his heart to the Lord and surrendered to to saving grace, became a a Christian. Within a year after that, he was in another meeting where the baptism in the Holy Spirit was being talk, talked about and people were invited to come forward to receive it. And so he said he came to the front and to have people pray for him to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a total skeptic. He said, Randy, is it, I, I didn't think there was anything to this whole deal. And I came to the front only just to put it to the test, just to see what was up, you know. He said, the next thing I knew, I was on the floor and I was speaking in tongues, so he had this dramatic experience, and uh, but then nobody would, had been giving him any teaching about these things and about you know what uh, what it all means and how to walk in and live it out. And so for the next couple of decades, two or three decades, it kind of just drifted to the background of his life. And I'd like to ask you to pick it up from there and kind of tell us uh, what happened after.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see, hello. You're on. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Uh- so, uh, what happened after that was, <clears throat> I went to a church. I started going to church with my uh, older sister, uh, and this church was a was a good Bible, very good Bible teaching church, but it didn't teach about the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, from uh, from age thirteen to forty, I was a Christian. I became a, I, I was a Christian that was living on my own strength. I was a Christian that didn't know how to surrender. A Christian that uh, that uh, that wanted my will, that had my plans, and uh, that that was living off just my strength. Uh, <clears throat> until I, I started coming to this church, what happened was <clears throat> there's there's situations or there's a uh, there's moments in my life and and people in my life uh, that I encountered uh, that that I realized that. That God is so real uh that there is a spiritual realm uh that God does answer that god does answer uh answer our prayers uh, and I just wanted to go back to uh to to being empowered i wanted to uh to touch i wanted to uh to be empowered by the lord i guess uh so what I did was I just surrendered. I, I came to Randy and I I I told him that I'm tired of doing it my way. Uh, I don't have the peace. I'll, although I was a good character guy, I was a good human. I don't have the peace that, that the Bible says about that transcends all understanding. Uh, and and it, it went from there. I I after I surrendered, uh I could say that uh being spirit-filled, uh I could say that that worship means something to me now. I mean, I used to think, I used to stand by my wife in church and I'd be like, what the heck are you crying for? <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> You're crying? We're just singing a song, but now I'm, if you see me, I'm up here, my arms are raised and I have a, a, a salt stain on my arms because I'm wiping my, my tears. Uh, the Bible become, became more real to me. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is just so real. I mean, there's just there's so many people in here that that I got to pray with, uh, uh, and God just answers prayers. So,
0: yeah, I, amen. And you were telling me about how <clears throat> when you were when you had that first experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you spoke in tongues, you yes, just really uh, didn't have any guidances to know how to do with that. But since then, since what you just talked about having. Uh, Surrendered to the Lord and rediscovered the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've also rediscovered the value of the gift of tongues. And yes. uh, just share a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Well, the the gift of tongues, or uh, what others will say, the their spiritual prayer language. Uh, I use it. Most people don't know, or I won't speak it out. I won't uh, pray in public unless I don't know what I'm, unless I don't know how to pray. But uh, usually. Uh, I'll pray in my spirit uh, language. Uh, after my mind, like, I'll start praying, and uh, after my mind is done thinking, and after I don't know what to pray for anymore, I'll start praying in my spiritual language. Uh, I would, I would always wonder how, how in the heck do people pray for one whole hour? How do people pray for two hours? I'm like, man, that's that's impossible because I'm not that smart. I'll only, <laughs> I only could think of like five minutes of things to pray about, it, and then after that, I'm done. So. So that's one way. And then uh, if I come into a situation where uh, I feel that, that uh, uh, fear is in or uh, it's a spiritual situation that is beyond this realm, then I'll start uh, praying in uh, my spiritual language. Yeah, uh, another thing is if, I, if someone comes to me and they say, can you pray for me? This is what's happened. There. I'm not a doctor, but guess who is? Yeah, the Holy Spirit's a doctor, so I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll pray in
0: my tongue. And then you were telling me, or uh, you said you had a little illustration that you wanted to show us about uh, how you think of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay.
1: <laughs> so I hope this I hope this worked. It kind of worked in the. So uh, this morning at five o'clock in the morning, Randy asked me to do this two days ago, mm-hmm. and and everyone that knows me knows that I don't like. Staying in front of this light and, and talking to you guys, but this is the Holy Spirit. This is me denying myself, right? Mm-hmm. So at five o'clock in the morning, I, I Surrendered I'm like I don't want to do this, but I'm gonna do it I'm gonna deny myself Holy Spirit take over Lord Jesus take over So here's the, and and what what's neat is I'm not I feel like I don't speak well but I could I could I could show like, I'm not a musician, but, but check this out. This is, this is really neat. This, this is all the Holy Spirit because I'm not smart. You won't, you won't uh, associate Aldrin with being wise or Aldrin and wisdom. That does not equate it. It would be Aldrin does not equal wisdom, right? But this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. So neat.
0: Yeah, you were saying that five o'clock this morning you felt like the Lord gave you this yes, illustration, a yes, little word yes, of wisdom, and a only, of wisdom.
1: Yes, and He can only do this. So, <clears throat> can you hold that? Yeah. Okay. So this is these these cans are me. Uh, these cans are me saved me, Christian me. That can over there uh, is the spirit field, or the 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 Christian that was a. Uh, that was uh, baptized by the Holy Spirit. This is the Christian that I was from age uh, 13 through 40. So it took me a long time to, 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 to jump in two feet with the Lord and to surrender. But this is what happens, right? This is me. This, they have the same ingredients, same ingredients. They're both saved. They're both going to heaven. This one that's going to heaven is just kicking it here, and I'm going to open it up they're both filled they're both contain they both contain the same thing nothing happens if it, if someone drinks from it okay you'll, you'll taste of the holy spirit you'll taste of the holy you'll taste of Jesus right you'll taste of of his goodness <clears throat> now watch this this is the spirit filled me this is what Jesus this is what God the father does he says okay you surrender, you surrender your wife, you surrender your life, you surrender everything to me. <laughs> I'm gonna power you up, son. I'm gonna power you up, Alan. I'm gonna power you up, Winnie, Gabe. I'm gonna power you up. Surrender, surrender everything that you don't have Surrender. God says that the more you're surrendered, the more he could be in control. We have a, gent- we have a gentleman as a God. Our God's a gentleman. He's not. We have free will. We could say no. I want to be that can and do nothing. Or, Lord, <laughs> shake me up, <laughs> cause trials, cause, uh, cause me to grow. I'm knocking off. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, but you guys know what happened. <laughs> What's What's, what's neat is, is Randy talked about exploding, right? And that's what will happen. We'll explode. Everybody, everybody in here is going to get wet because I'm not just going to open. I'm going to go like this. Everyone's going <laughs> to feel the Holy Spirit. Everyone's going to know Jesus Christ, and that's what happened. People that know me, my cousins, my, my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, my, my best friends, they know me. They know that there's a time in my life where Jesus became everything. They know that there's time in my life where I surrendered and, and there's change. It wasn't just a change, it became a transformation. You guys know that. Amen. <clears throat> and this is, this is, I wanna brag about this Holy Spirit because it's a, it's a really, really awesome thing. This Holy Spirit's amazing, our God's amazing, our God's only good. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: And thanks for not spraying. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, a steam cleaner, you know. <laughs> so let's talk about um, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That was a great illustration. And, uh, but let me just kind of fill, fill it in just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> to be baptized, and by the way, baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, overflowed uh, with the Holy Spirit. Those are all synonymous terms, mean the same, same thing. To be baptized means to be immersed in, overwhelmed by, or under the influence of someone or something. And so when, we said, when Jesus said, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said you're going to be coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Not only <clears throat> is he going to be in you and filling you, but he's gonna be unleashed through you to come upon you we talked about that last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit being with us in us and upon us and Jesus was just des- describing them he said the Holy Spirit will come upon you the baptism in the Holy Spirit it was a- an experience that was meant for all of us we read that when Peter was preaching and he said this is this promise is not just for us this is a promise for you your kids their kids and everybody who will follow us in faith. So that means you and me. This is, and it was the pattern of the New Testament church. Somewhere along the line, many of uh, many believers, many Christian believers have lost sight of this fact that our faith in Christ was meant to be this way. And so if you read the book of Acts, we read what we just read about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 8, we read about the Samaritans, this guy named Philip. He was just a guy from Jerusalem. Actually, he was running for his life because there was persecution uh, breaking out on the Christians in Jerusalem. So he was running for his life, stopped off in Samaria and said, hey, I've heard about this glorious news I want to share with you, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and can save us from our sins. People there in Samaritans, uh, in Samaria, the Samaritans were the uh, considered half-breeds and and, uh, uh, really despised by the Israelis. They were receiving this good news and they responded to it and said, hey, we believe we want to follow Jesus Christ. And so then Peter and John from Jerusalem came down to Samaria and they said, hey, well, let's make sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit as well. That happens in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9, this guy Paul, who we talked about a little bit last week, who was known as Saul previously, he was a persecutor of the church, has this amazing encounter with the resurrected Jesus and he turns his life over to Christ. He's saved. And then the Lord sends a guy named Ananias to Paul and says to him, I'm, I'm here on, on the orders of Jesus to make sure that you are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 10, this guy named Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion. He and his household, they receive the uh, good news of Jesus through the apostle Peter. They respond in faith and are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues. In Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians, Paul comes upon some believers in the town of Ephesus and uh, he asks them, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you received the Spirit since you believed?" And they said, no, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. So he teaches them, lays hands on them, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the pattern of the church. That we come to faith in Christ, have our sins forgiven, and then receive the fullness of His Spirit unleashed in our lives. Why is it important? Well, it's because it's an essential part of what Jesus has provided for us. It's not an additive. It's not a plug-in. This is essential to life in the Spirit. We are commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5. It's not only uh, important because it's essential, but because it's it's a a command from the Lord. And then it's also uh, something we desperately need. If you've been a Christian for two minutes, you already know you do not have the power to live the Christian life on your own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So is it for us today? You betcha. We already talked about that. And we've already seen it. Why in the world would God give us the book of Acts where this is over and over and over in there if he didn't mean for us to have that same experience? He does. Is it? What about speaking in tongues? You know, this is a, an issue that sometimes people uh, have a little trouble with because they've, they've seen all, people do Um, odd things in the name of the Holy Spirit and that you don't want to be the guy the or the woman whose eyes roll back in your head and you're you know rolling around on the floor and convulsing or swinging from the chandeliers or barking like a dog you don't want to be that kind of person so you figure you tongues I don't Holy Spirit yes tongues no I don't get that and we're going to talk later about the how the value of the gift of tongues and how available it is to each one of us not today but we are going to get there So listen, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is is so valuable and so important. Don't let that be shipwrecked or undermined by any sort of confusion that you might have about the gift of tongues. I'm telling you, that gift is, is so valuable and we'll talk about it. But don't let that keep you from understanding this is something God wants for you to have. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. They go together, often, in in fact, in my view, in every case in in the New Testament, but they are distinct from one another. There are some people who say that you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That I do not believe is the case. But I do believe you get to, and you'll want to. But for now, I just want you to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit as God's intentions for you. So how do I receive it? This is so simple, you're going to just not believe it. You just ask. Jesus said this. He said, if you as good parents, if you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who Come to the front and have people lay hands on them. Come to the front and have people knock you onto the floor. Come to the front and pound the carpet. Wait there for days. You know, confess all your sins. Uh, no. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? A S K. Period. Today, if when Aldrin was talking earlier, if anything that I said today would amplify that and you find yourself that your heart is beating a little fast right now, because you want that, you want your life to be noted by um, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, defined by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, all you need do is ask. Now, Aldrin's experience at 13 was pretty dramatic. He came to the front a total skeptic. A minute later, he's on the floor speaking in tongues. My experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit was much more, um, uh, m- m- much less dramatic, much more matter of fact. I just came to this place where I said, Lord, I see this in the New Testament. I want it. I ask. Quiet. I didn't. Nothing happened, you know, outwardly. But, oh, was my life different after that. It's never been the same. So the experience part of it is not what's essential. What's essential is your desire and your request that God will answer. And your life will never be the same.
1: This is recording number 11195 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Four Square Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning January 10, 2016. This is the first message in a series titled, Empower the Spirit-Filled Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Power Source, Part 2.